Jesus Christ. Without a doubt, the most controversial figure in history. Some believe him to be a myth. Others believe him to be a set of ideals that we should all strive to attain in our lives. Others believe him to be just a historical figure, a man of how one man can make a difference in the world. Others believe falsely that he was just another creation of God, while still some believe he actually is God himself, Jesus Christ. We open this morning with the book of John, and we're going to be beginning a new series, taking a break from Psalms, looking at the entire book of John. And my purpose this morning is to give you a framework for you to understand the book of John, who it was written to, what its purpose is, how you can use it in your life. I hope you have your personal Bible this morning because we're going to be writing a lot of helpful notes, and we're going to be making this book yours and how you use it. And so I encourage you, grab your pen or pencil in your Bible this morning. Would you pray with me as we begin? God, we thank you for your word, for your truth. God, I I pray that we may be a people who are not led by our circumstances, who are not led by our feelings, who are not led by our emotions, by the pains in our life, or even the pleasures. God, I pray that we are a people not led by the culture or what is considered right today, but I pray that we are a people who are guided by your word and your word alone. For your word is truth. What is truth? We know from your word that you are truth. And we seek that this morning. We pray for the Holy Spirit to enlighten our eyes, open our ears to your truths. God, I pray that you use me in my weakness. You may give me the words to say, God, may we hear what we need to hear. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come together and worship you alongside of one another and what it means to be the body of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Some of you might notice I have a little bit of a cold beginning in the week, and so I'm just going to be working through that. So if I get jumbled up, it's because I'm trying to understand why I sound so differently. So let's begin. The author of the book of John, surprisingly, right, is John. And we kind of glean this because every other disciple is mentioned in the book of John, but John himself. He's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, at first, that can kind of sound self-centered that he would title himself that way, but many believe that he has written himself in third person because he didn't feel qualified to be among the same pages of Jesus Christ himself. And so he refers to himself only as the disciple whom Jesus loved. But what about the intended audience? Who this book was written to? Well, we know Matthew was written to the Jewish people. The Gospel of Luke was written to the Gentile people, but what about the book of John? Well, we find that in the purpose of the book of John, and we find the purpose of the book of John in our first verse this morning, John chapter 20, verses 30 through 
31. So let's go ahead and turn there. John chapter 20, 30 through 31. It says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Probably in your Bible, this section is entitled, The Purpose of This Book. If it's not, I encourage you in your Bible, out to the left or the right of this passage, just write out the words, purpose. So when you're reading through your Bible, you come to this and you realize, oh, this is the purpose of the book. It's an incredible statement. Uh, This also reminds us of the fact of something we so easily forget. We hear all the time, right? You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be studying your Bible. Christians read their Bible. You come to church. You hear it from one another. You hear it in small group. You hear it from us as pastors. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. And then you think, I need to be reading my Bible. Study the Bible. Pray through the Bible. Memorize the Bible. And then we so often forget that the Bible actually has two different audiences. Before long, we begin to think the Bible is for Christians, right? But what do we see here in John chapter 20? It says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written so that what? You may believe. So the Bible actually has two different intended audiences in mind. There's the believers, but then there's also the unbelievers. So there's this twofold approach. And as you're reading the book of John, you'll read all these statements. John 3.16 that we're going to see shortly. Believers, and then later, unbelievers. Back and forth, John will talk about believers, and then we'll talk about unbelievers. But I want to remind us to encourage unbelievers to actually read the Bible too. It was written to them, the whole book of John. Its purpose is so that people may come to faith. Unbelievers may come to faith. So we see here the book of John is evangelistic in nature. First towards the unbeliever. A way to remember this is John throughout church history. Does anyone know how John was referred? He was referred to as John the Evangelist, right? John the Evangelist. So is it any wonder that his book, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would have the same type of characteristics and passions and conviction for evangelism for the lost that he has, John the Evangelist. So he lays out in the book of John all that is necessary for someone to come to faith. But also, the book of John is also for the believers. And we see all throughout the book of John passages that strengthen the believer. The sovereignty of God is all throughout the book of John as well. So the first point here that was on the screen, the book of John is for two types of people, believers and unbelievers. We're going to look through a couple other major themes through the book of John this morning as well. All of these themes are going to address the question, who is the Messiah? So let's turn to John chapter 1 to begin. Some of you you are thinking, I thought we already began. Beginning with John chapter 1. Now, when you're there at the first page of John, I encourage you at the top of your Bible, this is what I have in my Bible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you to write something I didn't write in mine, but 
John chapter 1, I encourage you at the top to write purpose, the word purpose, and then where to find it. So when you're starting the book of John, you can know the purpose of the book, or at least where to find it. And that would be purpose, John 20, 30, and 31, if we can put that one on the screen. Purpose, John 20, 30, and 31. So let's begin in John 1, 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So starting right out of the gate, John, in the very first sentence, says Jesus Christ is God. He proclaims, and this is one of those major themes, Jesus is God. I encourage you, next to John 1.1 in your Bible, write that out. Jesus is God. And we're going to build upon this through the whole book. So you have purpose, where to find it, on the first page, and then out to out. To the right or to the left, depending on where it is in your Bible, you have John 1.1. Jesus is God. Under that, or beside it, I encourage you to write John chapter 10, verses 30 through 33. This is what's called a chain reference, and this is going to chain these verses together. So, for instance, a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door and says, Jesus never claimed to be God. Show me where that is. You know, because you have a framework that we're building in the book of John, that the book of John says Jesus is God. So you turn to John 1. You see the purpose there. It's for unbelievers. You know this Jehovah's Witness is an unbeliever because he doesn't proclaim Christ as Lord. So then you look, John 1, 1, Jesus is God. You read the passage. And then right under the passage, you see John 10, 30 through 33. So let's turn to John chapter 10. And we'll begin in verse 22. But this teaches the same thing. Jesus is God. Beginning in verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, then tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. He goes on to say, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And that's the key verse. I and the Father are one. This is, and, and another theme throughout the book of John is the sovereignty of God in the life of the believer, especially regarding salvation. For example, church, did you notice why Jesus said the crowd around him did not believe in him? Take a look. You'll find it in verse 26, the reason why. Do you see what it says? Jesus didn't say, You don't believe because you just don't believe. He goes on to explain the reason why they didn't believe. Verse 25, we'll start there and then work to 26. Jesus answered them, 
I told you and you did not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. And then Jesus demonstrates why they didn't believe. Verse 26, but you did not believe because you are not among my sheep. Interesting, the reasons why Jesus gives. But that will be another discussion for another day when we work through the book of John. And I know that Terry actually already said he wanted to preach on those verses. So we have those set aside for you, Terry. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And then verse 30, I and the Father are one. Jesus here is declaring himself God, the same essence of God, God the Father. How do we know this? Well, look at verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? So Jesus is saying, I've done a lot of miracles, and you know they're from God, so which of these miracles are you going to stone me for? The Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for what, church? Blasphemy. Because you being a man, make yourself God. Now Jehovah's Witnesses in their Bible say, a God. They've added that word in there, a God. But you know what they didn't change is a couple of words before it. They didn't change blasphemy to idolatry. Because if he was claiming to be a God, it's not blasphemous against the God. It would just be a form of idolatry. But it's still the same, blasphemy. That's a direct attack against God himself. Blasphemy. You see, the, the group around him knew what Jesus was saying. They knew Jesus was saying, I and the Father are one. I am God. So the theme that we've been looking through is the book of John boldly proclaims that Jesus is God. So I want to recap on some of our notes because I want the book of John to be practical in your life. When you pick up the book of John, I want you to know what it's for and how to use it. So when you open up John, you see purpose written at the top of your Bible. You know what the purpose is. You know the intended audience, or you at least know where to find it, right? You see John 1.1, Jesus is God, and then it links another scripture. And then it goes down, links another scripture. And next to John 10.30, we're going to add another scripture. John 14, 6 through 9. John 14, 6 through 9. I encourage you to write that in next to John 10.30. And we'll go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. says this beginning in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not as so, I would not have told you that I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Another clear reference you can write out. Jesus is God. Right beside verse 7. But that's not the only one. There's more. Beginning in verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. He didn't, he didn't pick up on what Jesus was saying. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, who does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works of themselves. Clearly laying out again, Jesus proclaiming to be God himself in the flesh. And then there's another one that I want to chain reference. So out next to John 14, some of those verses, write John 20, 28. John 20, 28. Just think, church, we're already, we're already into John chapter 20. That's right. Ready for some barbecue right after this, so... We'll begin in verse 24 and we'll work our way to verse 28. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he turning to Thomas, put his, he said this, Put your finger here and see my hand. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Listen to what Thomas says in verse 28. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Now, we can either think that Thomas said, my Lord and my God, or my Lord and my God, which is what he did. He was referencing and addressing Jesus Christ as both his Lord and his God. We know this because in verse 29, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Nothing about God the Father. And he already claimed he and the Father were one throughout the whole book of John up to this point. And then this next verse, it's to us as believers, church. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. That's us. We are believers, yet we have not seen him in the flesh like the disciples did. Thomas called Jesus his Lord and his God. Right there in verse 30 and 31, you should have purpose written there. So I just want to give a recap what two audiences are in mind in the book of John, church? We have the and the you are believers too, don't worry. So, <laughs> Secondly, the book of John shows us that Jesus actually is, okay, great. So we're going to cover two other major themes in the book of John. And all of these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God that by believing you may have life in his name. So the first of which is seven signs or seven miracles. The book of John is called the signs or the seven wonders or the seven miracles many times. 
we see John selected seven miracles specifically for their ability to help the readers understand that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And so we see these seven miracles. And this is another point. In the book of John, the seven miracles draw attention to Jesus. The seven miracles draw attention to Jesus. Notice I did not say the seven miracles drew attention. Because they still draw attention today from the scriptures. They drew attention back then. And we read that. But they also draw attention. When unbelievers read this and they come to faith, they're still pointing to Jesus Christ. So these miracles pointed people to Christ. The first one, the water into wine, the healing the official son, and on through number seven. But you have these listed on the back of that handout. So secondly, in the book of John, we see a set of another seven things. So we have seven miracles. And this is what drew people's attention to Jesus Christ, doing these miracles. But then we also see the seven I am statements, and you have those on your page as well. These I am statements are in reference to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where God said to Moses, I am who I am. So when you're reading your Old Testament and you read I am, we actually know that Jesus is there, right? It's not just God and then Jesus is only in the New Testament. Because Jesus said, I am in the New Testament. We know this from John chapter 8, 58. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. So we have Jesus proclaiming in the New Testament that he was even before Abraham in the Old Testament. We have in the Old Testament, God, who that was just a glimpse we saw of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. These things work perfectly together. So the miracles pointed people back to Jesus, and it's at this point where he declares to them his I am statements. So he has their attention because of the miracles, and then he begins to teach them about himself. In the book of John, the I am statements teach people who Jesus is. The first one, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And last, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So we see the Gospel of John is evangelistic in nature. The two audiences in mind are the believers and unbelievers. I'll have to switch those next time. You can be the believers. The book of John shows that Jesus is... We're, we're losing steam here. The book of John shows us that Jesus is God. Great. In the book of John, what was it that pointed people to look at Jesus? The miracles. miracles. Great. And what was it in the book of John where Jesus taught them? What type of statements were they? The I am, I am statements. Great. So now we know the purpose of the book, the audience of the book, the elements of the book, 
the seven miracles, the seven I am statements, and that the book was also written to unbelievers as well as to believers. So I want to ask the question, so what does it mean to actually be a believer in Jesus Christ? What does it look like to believe? Well, John has that in there for us as well. So let's turn to John chapter 6, verse 25 through 36. And in John chapter 6, we're actually going to see an example of one of these miracles where it gets their attention, and then Jesus transitions, and then he says one of the I am statements. So this is a lot of times how these miracles work. Jesus does this miracle, and it transitions over, and he teaches them about himself. Or whoever the reader is of John, it teaches them about himself. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. So this bread of life given to the world, Jesus says he is that bread that gives life. So what are the results of believing in Jesus Christ? I want you to notice in verse 34, the crowd said this, Sir, give us this bread always. Give us this thing, Jesus. But in verse 26, we see that Jesus said they weren't desiring him as their Lord or their God. Church, we don't want to be like this crowd. So before we look at the results of following Jesus Christ, we need to understand our present condition. Because the problem with culture today is they say the same thing. We already have this. We already have this life, but give us a little bit more life. That's what culture says. They think if they just get a little bit more Jesus, they'll get a little bit more life. But Jesus is saying, listen, if you don't have me, you don't have life at all. I am the bread of life. There is no life apart from me. That's what it means to come. They read John 3.16 the most famous verse in the Bible. And they think they add a little Jesus, they get life. I want us to turn to John 3.16, and we're going to take a look at that. I couldn't do an overview of John without having John 3.16 in here. So, <clears throat> Beginning in verse 16, the Scriptures do say, 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. But what does the rest of the verses teach? Let's look. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not sure, Scripture says you're already walking in condemnation. But those who are in Christ have no condemnation. You see the two audiences here? Scripture is teaching us. If you're an unbeliever and you're reading John, you're learning, I'm under condemnation. If you're a believer, you're, you're learning... Thank God I'm no longer under condemnation. Condemnation has been around since we chose that in Genesis chapter 3. Look in verse 19. And this is the judgment. This is why this one isn't as famous as John 3.16, right? This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light does not come to the light, lest his works would be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that may be clearly seen that his work has been carried out in God. What a great example of these two audiences the book of John is referring to. I want us to remember, there are two messages here in the book of John, one to the believer, the other to those who have yet to believe in Jesus Christ. For those of you this morning who are believers... You are his sheep. His message to you is there is no condemnation towards you. For Jesus did not come to condemn you, but to love you and give you life. For Jesus is the bread of life. But for those of you who have not yet trusted in Christ as Lord, Scripture says, whoever does not believe, you're already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, Jesus Christ. Don't live your life in continued condemnation, but turn and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you're a believer this morning, I encourage you to become familiar with the book of John because it is a tool that God has given you for the unbelievers in your life, your family members, your co-workers, maybe even your spouse. It was written so that they may believe and come to faith in Jesus Christ. So as believers... We need to be very knowledgeable about the book of John because its whole purpose is for that of the unbeliever, but also to strengthen the believer. If you're listening this morning, you're not sure about this church thing. You're not even sure if you're a Christian or not. The book of John is a great place to start. I encourage you to sit down and read it through in one sitting. Read from the beginning and read from the end and then pray, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? It lays out everything you need to know to know Jesus Christ as both Lord and Savior. I want to end with this. In John chapter 6, we see that Jesus talked with a woman at a well. And for those of you who don't know the story, Christians have named this story the woman at the well, right? We're very original here. This is simple stuff when you start getting into it. So Jesus was talking with this woman She believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She ran and told the town everything about Jesus Christ, about him, 
and his prophecies and all the things he taught her. And then what happens next is verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did, said the woman. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of Jesus' words. Listen to this last part, church, and then we'll close. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. It's not just their belief that I heard. It shouldn't be the pastor's belief why you believe, or your parents' belief, or a friend's belief, or your child's belief. That's not the reason. It shouldn't be your spouse's belief why you believe. That's originally what happened. But what should happen is you begin to spend time with Jesus Christ in his word. So that it's no longer what they said, it's now what he said. So I ask you, church, do you know the book of John? Do you know what it means to you? Do you know how to use it for its intended purposes? My desire is that we don't believe these things just on the account of someone else telling us, but that we read these things and we study these things and we pray through these things ourselves so that we may know. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you that we can know. We thank you for the purpose of the book of John so that we may know, we may come to know Jesus Christ. We thank you for the miracles, the I am statements. God, help us to remember the Bible is also for unbelievers. I know many times I get stuck thinking it's for Christians because I use it so often or I'm encouraged to use it so often, but it's also for me to to have unbelievers read and encourage them. So God, I pray for us as a church that we, as throughout this study, may begin to take John and learn it as a tool because you've given it for us for that reason. God, we thank you for your word that it is truth. We thank you that you are truth. God, we give you praise this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.